That's correct. Yeah, and uh, Stefan, you uh, are no stranger to Jacksonville. You played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've actually played for the Jaguars, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Steelers. How many years did you play here in Jacksonville? Just one year, 2015. 2015. You didn't like it very much, did you? You left, man. Went up to the <laughs> went up to the Eagles. Well, now, I went to the Eagles and won a Super Bowl, so it kind of worked out for me. Well, it worked out really good. You've got quite an amazing story, actually, and um, we uh, we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, you know, growing up, your your dad was. Um, um, just a, a standout football player, both in high school at Penn State, and um, you went to Penn State, and uh, you know your family was just known up there. Everybody up in that area uh, knows the Wisniewskis. Your uncle, um, your uncle played. Um, you, you actually, I think, did you get drafted by the Raiders? I did, and that—that's where your uncle played, right? Didn't your uncle play out there? He did, yeah. He played 13 years there. Um, actually grew up, you know, watching him, cheering for him, going to his games. And uh, I was drafted there and, and played my fourth four, first four years with, with the Raiders. Yeah, what, what, that had to be pretty special for you, uh, just to play. I know watching him, uh, uh, Steve, um, you know, he was, a, he was a pro bowler out there too, I think, right? Uh, eight times, yeah. Yeah, same same position, right? Because y'all both played guard. Or were you a guard center or or guard? I um I got about half my career start to center, about half at guard. Um, so I I did both throughout my career. I always felt bad for the centers, man, because you guys you had to get that ball back, and uh, I I don't know. I was a nose guard in in high junior high, and I just always used to try to. To punish the centers was it tough in the nfl being a center it's a rough job man um you start to play with one hand between your legs that's <laughs> that's a pretty serious disadvantage <laughs> yeah and uh the guard and tackle get to line up off the ball a little bit that nose guard can be like one inch away from your face just ready to hit you as soon as you snap it so it's it's definitely challenging um but i enjoyed it you know the center is it's kind of the the quarterback of the offensive line tells everyone where to go, analyzes the defense. So it's a little more of an intellectual position, um, the most intellectual on the offensive line. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it at center. Yeah, well, uh, well, you know, one thing that I've loved about getting to know your dad over the last few years is he is a man who really loves the Lord. He, he is a man who sold out to the Lord, but he's also a man who recognizes the grace of the Lord. You know, um, talk a little bit. Was it growing up with a dad who played pro football and an uncle that played pro football? Did you feel pressure growing up in high school and junior high to, to be like them? Did you feel that, uh, that internal pressure to do that? You know, um, I... I always grew up loving football, and that was certainly, you know, because of my dad's influence and my uncle's influence. Um, and certainly, you know, when you're the son and nephew of, of great football players, um, it was kind of the unspoken expectation that, like, oh, how good are you going to be? You know, your dad, your uncle were great players. Mm. Um, so I, I think that can kind of weigh on kids. Um, but to be honest, I I really always just, 
I compared myself to me. Um, yeah. I didn't try to compare myself to them. I wanted to be like them because they did a lot of good things, but I wasn't ever saying I want to, you know, beat them or uh, have the exact same career they did or have a better career. I I really believe God only compares us to the best we can do with the talents he gave us, and uh, he doesn't compare me to my father, my uncle, the offensive lineman next to me, the kid down the street, the guy on the other team. Um, and so I also should only compare myself to, hey, what's the best I can do with what God gave me? Um, and the other thing about pressure is, you know, there's always some type of pressure, external expectations, whether it's from your family, your coaches, uh, media, you know, wherever. Um, but, and that's kind of an outside in pressure, but you know, there's there's a different kind of pressure kind of coming from inside out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Romans 12, uh, it's either verse 1 or 2, says don't be, I think it's verse 2, don't be conformed to the, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I think of that conforming as like an outside-in pressure trying to crush us. But, you know, if, if we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, by by keeping keeping our mind on the Word, by staying filled with the Spirit, by walking with God and abiding in Him, then that inside-out pressure um, coming from the transformation that, that God does in our lives is, is going to be way bigger pressure than, than anything that's coming from the outside in. So, well, there's some pressure there, kind of, but to be honest, I, I didn't notice it because uh, I think the transformation pressure of walking with God was so much bigger. When when you were growing up, like when you were in high school, did didn't your uh, your dad actually help coach where you were at high school? Right. He did for a year, yeah, and he coached me like off and on growing up as well. But one year in high school, I think. What? No, was was he a believer then? When he was coaching me, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He, I mean, he's been walking with God a long time, probably since he was in college. So, okay, so yeah, he, so he you, you you don't you don't really know your life without him being a guy walking with God, even flawed as we all are. But he he walked with God all that time, right? That's correct. And so, when you were growing up, did you sense that influence as well? Not just the football influence, but the spiritual input to those years that you were out there competing as a football player, knowing that that your identity was not in Christ or did, were, did you wrestle with that? Yeah. I mean, my, my dad's influence on me was certainly, you know, heavily spiritual. Um, you know, he, he taught me football, but he, you know, he showed me and taught me, you know, what it looked like and what it meant to, to follow Jesus. And, um, that influence was very strong. So, uh, from him and I, I certainly wouldn't be the, the man of God I am today if it wasn't for his influence uh, spiritually and I'm tremendously grateful for that and I hope to have that same type of spiritual influence over my son um, he's, he's four months old so you know he's, he's not getting a lot yet uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I certainly certainly plan to train him in the ways of the word of God yeah um, but no, my dad absolutely, uh, he taught me right from wrong. He taught me the word, um, showed me and, and taught me the importance of, you know, being a committed disciple and living to make disciples. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for, for all those things. Now, obviously, I had to, um, you know, choose choose to follow God for myself. And, you know, that's something we all have to decide. And uh, Well, yeah, that's, that's and that's, I, I that's, that's, that's a know, question. Toward, toward the scene, 
it, that that's a follow-up question like did you go through a period of rebellion in high school or college or a time where you just kind of go nah this ain't as important to me as football or whatever i mean i'm not talking about just uh, slip-ups you know struggles i'm talking about did you, was there a time where you pulled away from it or was it always you know you just felt god leading you and you were just always committed to saying you know he's my lord he's my king i'm gonna follow him i'm gonna be the best football player i can be but i'm gonna be the best follower of jesus i can be too no i i don't think i i began you know to follow jesus until i was 18 um before that i I wouldn't describe it as active rebellion but it was more like a like a moralism Mm self-righteousness you know kind of a thing um you know, I, I didn't do anything crazy, mostly because I was scared of my dad. and didn't <laughs> want him to, you know, uh, yell at me or crush me or whatever he would mm-hmm. do. I, I, I never really screwed up too bad. I actually don't know what he would do. But I was scared of what it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad being an NFL nose guard, kind of an intimidating guy. Yeah, but, yeah um, no kidding, man. Well, it's interesting that you're a center guard and he was a nose tackle, right? I mean, like, who better to train you as yep. a center guard than him, right? <laughs> that's funny yeah exactly exactly he never lined up and you know tried to rush me uh he was a little old at that point Uh, we did wrestle a couple times when i was in high school um he was a state champ wrestler and uh i noticed he stopped wanting to wrestle me you know when i got into my junior and senior years when i was kind of just as strong or stronger than him but freshman sophomore year he felt good enough to you know come in and wrestle with me a little bit that's funny well well you know um you, when you, when you came to, um, well, let's, let's go back. You get drafted and you go out to, uh, the Oakland rate. Well, was it LA Raiders or Oakland at that time? I can't remember. Oakland. It was Oakland Raiders. So you go out to play for the yeah. Raiders. How you're a believer. Now you've walked through Penn state as a believer. You're out there You're still young, but you're, you're, you know, you've been walking with Christ for a few years. How hard was it to keep that walk in the NFL? It was definitely challenging. Um, I mean, the the temptations of the NFL. Um, you know, I've heard uh, heard guys describe them as as the three G's: uh, gold, girls, and glory. Mm. Um, so trying to trying to not you know love gold, i.e., money. Uh, trying to not make that what you're living for and, you know, the stuff that money brings. Uh, try not to, you know, fall into to sexual temptation, which is, is very available as an NFL player. And just trying to not kind of fall in love with, with pride, with the attention, you know, the respect that everyone gives you, the adoration. Um, those are probably the three biggest temptations. And, uh, you know, by God's grace, I, I'd say I, I, I avoided those pretty well. Um, you know, I tried to not let my identity change. Um, you know, in college I had like $0 in my bank account. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was perfectly happy. Right. I I had Jesus. I had joy in that relationship. I had family that loved me, friends that loved me. Like I, I really felt like I was, had joy because of those things. And just because somebody wrote me a check for a million dollars, I was kind of like, so am I supposed to care about stuff now? Am I, (laughs) am I supposed to change? who I am and buy a hundred thousand dollar car and, you know, buy jewelry. Like I was like, you know what? I I was fine before I had money. I had joy in my relationship with Christ. So I'm going to, you know, 
still try to live simply. I'm going to save my money. I'm going to give it away to God's kingdom. Uh, spent, you know, a little bit, but I, I really viewed it as God's money, and I, I tried my best to be a good steward of God's money and not waste God's money. Mm, that's good. Well, the, you you see that a lot. Oh, a lot of people come in there and they get those million dollar checks, and there's no centering. There's no gospel underpinnings. There's no uh, Leo Wisniewski building into you. You know what God's built into him, and it never ends well, does it, uh, Stefan? I mean, I mean, you, I'm sure you witnessed it all the way around. You, you know, you've been, you were in the league for a long time and you got to play with some really good organizations, but even on those good organizational teams, you see, there's a lot of people in the NFL that really, they're not terrible guys. They just don't have the underpinnings. And, uh, did, did you see the, the train wrecks that happen a lot of times when you give money and there's no moral underpinnings like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I really think what you see is just, you know, people trying to find satisfaction uh, and identity in, you know, their wealth and in their success and in the stuff, you know, that money buys. And the problem with trying to find your ultimate, you know, joint satisfaction in, in material things is that those things are all temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, cars are temporary. Houses are temporary. You know, it drugs you know fame all of it it, it's temporary and the problem is you know when god made us he put a void in our hearts that's the size of eternity Mm -hmm. and you know we see that in ecclesiastes 311 god has set eternity in the hearts of men so when god made me and god made you and god made everyone who's listening here uh he put a, a void a hole in our hearts the size of eternity and you can really explain mostly all of human behavior on this earth is that we're, we're trying to fill that void. You know, we're trying to find happiness. Um, and if we, we seek it in earthly things that are temporary, it's just never going to be enough to fill that eternal void in our hearts. So it doesn't matter how many tens of millions, I mean, hundreds of million dollars guys make in the NFL, it, it, that's just temporary money. It's not going to be enough to satisfy that void in their heart. And it doesn't matter how many cars they buy, it, it's never going to bring uh, a true and full satisfaction. I actually played with a guy who owned 52 cars. Yeah. And I like to tell that story because it, it's kind of a sad picture um, of what it looks like to seek satisfaction and stuff, you know? But I, I imagine like the dude had 10 cars and it, he thought, you know, cars made him happy, right? So he buys 10 cars and he gets there and it's like, well, are you happy? You have 10 cars? No, I'm not happy yet. Okay. How about 10 more? You got 20 cars now. Are you happy yet? Nope, still not happy. Okay, let's buy some more cars. 30, 40, 50, 52. Are we happy? Uh, uh, no, I'm actually still not happy. Um, but maybe, you know, I should try looking for happiness in something other than cars if uh, if 52 cars didn't do it. So I say that as a, a warning to anyone listening. Man, if you're looking for satisfaction in cars, just stop. Uh, I know the dude who's who bought 52 and uh, still wasn't enough. Um, and most of us never get to even try to throw that much money uh, at the void in our hearts. But, man, we try it in our career. Man, if only I got that next promotion, then I'd be happy. That, that's not true. Um, the truth is the only thing that brings true satisfaction, the only thing that can fill that eternal void in our heart is our relationship with the eternal God through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
and uh, he's really the only etern- eternal thing we have access to on this earth. Um, but I, I truly believe, and I've experienced that, you know, walking closely in relationship with Jesus, we, we can't have fullness of joy. Um, that void in our heart was meant to be filled with a relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Well, you know, that, that's an interesting thing. He had a car for every week. A car for every week. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that hey, that's millions of dollars in automobiles, isn't it? That all just oh yeah, they 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 all lose value. They're I mean, bad investments. Yeah, they're terrible. Bad that's terrible. Well, uh, that's a good word. I was going to ask you, what would you say to maybe some of the parents out there that have talented sons, daughters, not just in sports, but in business or you know, arts or whatever that see their children who have a talent. You had a great talent and your talent was in the area of sports. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in sports or music or whatever, you still can find your identity in that versus what you said in Christ or try to find satisfaction in cars or, or in the applause of the people out there. What would you say to those parents that, what were some of the things that your dad did to help you with that? Because that's such a trap for young people today, uh, Stefan. What what would you say to those parents out there? From the perspective well, I, of a I son, to, you know, who went, went through it. Yeah, I mean, I would say you, you want to encourage your children to build their identity in, in something that's stable and permanent. And, you know, their athletic talents um, – or even intelligence, musical gifts, whatever, um, those things can, can be lost. They can be taken away. Um, you know, obviously athletic gifts can be taken away with an injury. Um, you know, musical gifts, you, you could lose your great voice. I, I don't know. Um, academic gifts, you, you get in a car accident, you get a concussion, you can lose some, some academic gifts, right? Um, those talents are, are temporary and uh, ultimately – if that is what your identity is rooted in, you see it all the time with athletes, you know, their identity is rooted in their performance. Well, I have a bad performance. Well, now what am I? Am I worthless now? Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting, you know, to constantly try to earn approval, to constantly have to re-earn your identity as a successful athlete, successful musician, successful student, whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, it's all a performance performance industries like sports academics music whatever it is business um it's all about what have you done for me lately it's not like oh you did a great job last week last game last quarter last whatever it's okay great you what are you going to do for me next time and uh if your identity is constantly changing based on how you performed you're going to be disappointed all the time and quite frankly if you have a really bad performance you're going to be depressed Hmm. but if your identity is rooted in something more stable, like the eternal uh, gifts and blessings and, and change of identity that happens when we put our faith in Christ as sons of God, co-heirs of the kingdom of Christ, friends of God, uh, servants of, of the Most High God, then that's not going to change. Those things are permanent. Once I put my faith in Christ, I'm in Christ. I, I can't get out of Christ. No one can take me out of his hand. Mm-hmm. Nothing can separate me from his love. So that's a a stable, consistent identity. And that's often something I used to think about before playing games. Um, Is I used to, 
you know, pray and, and just meditate on the idea that, you know, no matter how I played in the game, in the football game I was about to play, I just wanted to remember that no matter what happened, God was going to love me exactly the same after the game as he did before the game. Hmm. Whether I played the best game of my life, whether I played the worst game of my life, whether we won by 100 points, whether we lost by 100 points, God was going to love me exactly the same after the game as he did before. And resting in that unconditional love and resting in my identity as someone who is loved by God and known by God and who knows God, um, then that brings peace and it brings stability. And there's not that emptiness in my heart that I'm trying to fill with the, with the constant approval and constant success. Hmm. That's a really good word. It's, it's so hard uh, for us in our culture, uh, isn't it, uh, Stefan, because it seems like everything in our culture says you're not valuable unless you and fill in the blank. You know, I mean, it, it just and young people today are really placed uh, in a in a bad way that that kind of pressure is put on them. They look you know, because of social media and stuff. And I really, you know, the sports pressure. Like when I was growing up, it, you if you were a, if you were a guy, you were like either a basketball, baseball, or a football player. And and later, you know, they they brought in soccer, but that's where you found your identity. I mean, just hearing you say this is really good, I think, for us to hear because so often, you know, whatever we find our identity in, if it's not Christ, uh, then it's misplaced. And to hear what you just shared about we are loved, regardless of how smart we are, how talented we are, uh, what we do on a daily basis, but the world doesn't treat us like that. I'm sure that there had to be some struggles even though you knew that in your head right when you were playing for maybe the jags or the raiders or whoever the you know what pick a team wasn't that a battle i mean for you i mean because isn't there just that pressure (laughs) the human pressure when you we're, we're just so conditioned to be conditional aren't we out there yeah it's it definitely was a struggle at times um, I mean, any any individual play, if I got beat, it, it's kind of like there's a thought in your head like, oh, I, I stink, you know, and it's like, no, I'm not a bad player. I just, you know, got beat once. But more importantly, I'm I'm still the same adopted son of God I was before, um, you know, regardless of getting beat once or twice or even 10 times in a game. Um, but to be honest, it, it really, I think that the identity thing um Small failures, it it can mess with you. But the bigger the failure, the harder it is to, I think, you know, cling to your true identity in Christ. You know, for example, um, you know, I, I had some experiences where I uh, I was benched at one point in my career. I was released a few times, which is what they call being fired in the NFL. Released, <laughs> you, you got fired. Yeah. That's what it is. That's a nice um, way of saying they fired. Your contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they released your contract. No, they, they fired me. That, that's what that's what it is. Um, and having some things like that happen, you start to question, like, man, uh, am I a failure? Like, did I fail? And you know, maybe I did, but I think it made me dig into and try to understand that, you know, God defines success and failure differently than we do, mm-hmm. and we 
you know, in my head, I was like, all right, well, if you're a starter, then you're successful. If you're a backup, then you're failing. If you're a starter, you know, if you make a ton of money, then you're you're more successful. You make less money, well, then you're less successful slash semi-failure, right? Um, and if, you, you know, you get benched, well, that's a failure, obviously, right? Mm. But God doesn't define success and failure like that. I, I believe God defines success and failure based on obedience and based on faithfulness. So I could have been, and I, I believe I was walking in, in obedience to God, making the most out of the talents I had, and still I got benched, and you know another time I still got fired. But I don't think I was a failure in God's eyes. I think I was making the most out of the talents God gave me. I believe I was obeying Him, using my talents to glorify Him, and that was just part of God's plan for me at that time, was to you know get benched, be a backup, or get fired, and moved to a different team, and uh, I think it it took me some time to realize that, but once I did, um, it it changed my perspective because, you know, instead of me walking around thinking I'm a failure, I was like, you know what, it might look like I'm a failure to the world, but, you know, I believe I'm walking in obedience to God's will for my life. I'm using all the talents I have to His glory, and uh, for a time, you know, He has me humbled. Um, You know, God can, can take the talents that he gave me and he can take them back whenever he wants. He can put them under a rock for a year or two and bring them back out whenever he wants. They're not my talents. They're his talents. Mm. And, um, I think that's, it takes an attitude of surrender. All right, God, these are your talents. If you want me to get hurt, miss a year, that's up to you. Uh, you want me to be out on the field showing everyone my talents that that's up to you. Um, but man, you can be a success in the eyes of the world, but be a failure in the eyes of God. And vice versa. You know, you can be someone who the world looks at and says, oh, that guy doesn't make much money. He's not really doing much. He, in my estimation, is a failure. But, man, you could be right in the middle of God's will for your life. So uh, I think understanding that and seeking after success as God views it versus success as the world views it is is really a life-changing kind of change of perspective. Hmm. That's a good word. Well, listen, we're going to have to take our break on the half hour. Hey, uh, uh, Stephan, if you just hang on through the break, we're going to have the news, and we'll be back. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, you're, if you're just tuning in, we're, uh, our guest today is Stephan Wisniewski, former NFL uh, football player, played for the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Jaguars, the, uh, and the uh, Oakland Raiders. And he's going to be back, and we're going to ask him about his Super Bowl playing and victories and uh, how God kind of turned something around there. Kinda- their homes now since a historic blizzard dumped more than six feet of snow. Crews with the Los Angeles-based nonprofit Team Rubicon working Wednesday in remote towns including Lake Arrowhead and Crestline. Some roads were finally plowed for the first time on Tuesday. Residents emerged to pick up boxes of donated food and a local distribution center. Meanwhile, another storm is on the way. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 222 points and the NASDAQ off 106. This is SRN News. 
We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Expect some delays because of a crash on the West Beltway, 295 northbound at U.S. 17 Roosevelt Boulevard. Also, there's a broken-down vehicle on 295 northbound at the west end of the Buckman Bridge. And there's a broken-down vehicle on the East Beltway, 295 northbound at the ramp from Beach Boulevard. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 58. Friday, partly sunny and breezy, high 80. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. 91 FM, The Truth. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, I'm uh, so thankful you're listening today. We got Stefan Wisniewski. Um, Stefan is the son of my friend Leo. Leo just got back from Israel with me uh, a few months ago. Stefan, I know you're looking at going over there too i really want you to go on our trip sometime <laughs> i want you to go hiking with us man yeah <laughs> yeah that's on uh it's on me and my wife's list man love to love to get over there at some point soon yeah you and uh well your your dad and your uncle vince went man uh, uh i think it was vince right isn't that right uh was it vince yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah, he he's a good guy. I really enjoyed getting to know him. Hey, I texted you during the break a picture I took um, of you and Andy Reid hugging after the game or right at the end of the game. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. I just texted it, but the reason I oh took, yeah yeah I've just I just pulled it up. I took that picture because your dad asked me to pray for you. Um, back, you got released. Uh, you got released from the Eagles in August and, um, and I know you were, you were a little discouraged about it because you still wanted to play. You felt like you had some time to play. I know you wanted to follow whatever God wanted, like you said earlier, but, uh, I, I just was so encouraged that they picked you up and, and it was almost like a little bit of a repeat when, uh, you got picked up by the Eagles, right? I mean, a little bit. Can you talk us through your season? First of all, starting with the Eagles, and and from a perspective of faith, like when you went up there, you signed a one year contract with them, I believe, right? Initially, the Eagles, correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, and and did you start that that year back in sixteen? The whole year? Uh, no, I um. 
No, I was a, a backup and kind of rotated in. I, I ended up starting a few games, you know, when some guys were injured, but uh, it was certainly not, you know, what I had expected when I signed there. Yeah, and what about in 17? When when you started the year in 17, were you a starter? No. Um, I mean, in July, I was probably the fourth-string guard. Yeah. Um, which that, that sounds like I suck at football. Let me, let me short listen. I'm actually pretty good at football. Um, yeah, that was a, a weird temporary circumstance. I actually was a starter, you know, my entire first five years in the NFL, uh-huh. um, long, weird story, how I ended up as a backup, but well, you know, Hey, li- uh, Hey, listen, Stefan, before, before you go on, oh, if you're in the NFL, you don't suck at football. <laughs> Because you 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 <laughs> well, can be the tenth string uh, guy, but if you're on an NFL team, very few people make it to that level. So, uh, but but my yeah. point being is, even if you're like, let's say you're you were fourth, you were fourth on the depth chart, maybe at that point, you still want to be the starter, don't you? There is such a desire to get oh, out absolutely. there and do it. So I know it was a it, it had to be a, a little bit of a struggle. Uh, as a believer watching okay god why am i here because you'd been in the nfl for a while you'd been a starter before so talk us through that how god kind of used you that season yeah um i mean essentially it it was frustrating um obviously but you know if if i really believe that you know god had me there for a reason and I really believe that all I'm doing, I'm doing for God, right? Um, you know, audience of one, uh, whatever you do, do with your whole heart as unto the Lord and not unto men, uh, Colossians 3.23. So if I really believe that, it doesn't matter if I'm out on the field with millions of people watching on game day or I'm just at practice. Um, I'm doing what I'm doing for God, for his glory, with all my heart, uh, with him with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, ultimately... The next verse says, you know, we, we, we get our reward from God, you know, based on how well we do that, about 323. So um, I, I tried to look at it like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm working my butt off. I'm, I'm trying to rejoice in the Lord. I'm trying to trust in the Lord. Uh, I believe that, you know, believe God's sovereign. He's able to kind of open up a, a starting spot for me. But, you know, if he doesn't have that plan for me right now, um I'm just going to ask him for patience. I'm going to ask him for strength. I'm going to continue to worship him, continue to rejoice in him. Uh, I'm going to realize, you know, no matter what, he loves me. Um, and my goal is just to to obey him, to be faithful to him, to share his word with those around me and um, and wait for my opportunity. And uh, if you find yourself waiting for God to act, you're in good company. Uh, Noah had to wait for a while. David had to wait for a while to be king. Um, Paul... Uh, Paul went through all kind of crazy trials, kind of waiting for for God's deliverance. Um, man, you're you're in good company, uh, let alone all the, the Old Testament saints that waited a long time for our Savior to come. So um, sometimes God has us wait for a good purpose to shape our hearts, to test our hearts. Mm-hmm. Right? You yeah. Know, that was a time of testing. Would I still worship God? Would I still trust Him? Would I still love Him? Um, I like to think I passed that test, but it's. It's a time of testing, a time of, of preparation, and, and of God developing, um, developing us, you know, as as His followers, trying to shape us to look more like Christ. And 
Uh, to be honest, I, I probably learned a lot more in, in that time, mm. um, in the years of being a backup, being a starter, being benched, being fired. I probably learned a lot more uh, and grew a lot more in my faith than, you know, first five years just starting and having success. So um, while trials aren't always the most fun thing in the world, they they do make uh, probably better teachers than times of prosperity. Mm. So when you were – when you were – sitting like watching and you would get into play but you weren't starting all you wanted to do was start well sometimes I didn't play at all but yeah okay so so that whole season right 2017 you're sitting there with you're you're with a great team right the Eagles y'all were 13 and 3 that year when when did your guy go down that you got to be put in the game and you ended up being the guy that was in the game when did that happen? Um, well, so 2016, I, I didn't really start at all other than, you know, a few games due to injury. 2017, so I'll, I'll try to tell as quickly as I can. Um, I told you I was probably fourth string in July, so yeah. they traded one of the guys ahead of me. So now I'm third string in training camp. Um, weeks one and two, the guy who was uh, they wanted to be the starter um, was a young guy. Hadn't really proven himself yet, but they kind of handed him the job. Um he played bad the first two weeks, so they they benched him. Sorry, now I moved up to second string. Um, and the guy who uh, was ahead of me at that point, um, they kind of viewed us as pretty similar, so they actually rotated us, but he was starting. I was rotating in, and um, they the next game we still had to rotate, but then I was the starter, and he came in to rotate, so... Yeah. I guess I played better than him in that, that third game of the year. And then we rotated for a couple games. And I think they finally just let me have all the reps um, starting like week six or seven maybe. And then I was kind of the starter and played the whole game there through the through the rest of the season in the playoff run. And the Super Bowl, right? And and the Super Bowl, absolutely. Yeah, We're, I uh, mean, like, how cool is that? Like the, the Eagles, we beat Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You won the Super Bowl. You were the starting guard, right? You were guard at that point, right, for the Eagles. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So you were a starting guard on the offensive line for the Super Bowl. And if you go back a year, you were sitting there wondering if you were even going to ever get to play that much. And I, I mean, that that is such a cool story you get a ring i know guys that played 12 years uh stefan in the league and they played on good teams but they never got a ring much less they didn't even get to play in the super bowl talk about that experience going out there were you were you kind of going god this is awesome <laughs> when you were out there at the super bowl was that a cool feeling it was amazing yeah um you know, for a lot of reasons, obviously, how that season played out. But, I mean, my whole career, I, I had never even made it to the playoffs in my first six years. And, um, you know, that was my seventh year, 2017. And not only we make the playoffs, we make the Super Bowl. So I just I felt tremendously blessed to even be in the playoffs, let alone be in the Super Bowl. But um, for God to kind of work all that out. So I was, was starting, was playing, playing well. I was on a great team. Um, and to, to win the Super Bowl, it, it was truly uh, unbelievable. To me, it, it just taught me that, you know, God can do whatever he wants. Um, he's sovereign. Uh, he's, he's Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Like, it, he could have made me a starter at any time. He could have 
could have done that, but he he made it. He made me wait uh, so he could shape me, and and honestly, so he could do it in a way that just shouted, you know, God did that. Uh, I didn't do it. God did it clearly, and um, that way he gets all the glory. And and I don't think it was me. So I I, I think it's better that it played out that way. But yeah, I was was truly amazed with uh, with the way God worked that season. Um, and and ended with a Super Bowl win, and ended with me praying, leading the team prayer on the 50 yard line after the Super Bowl, which uh, is is a pretty amazing experience. It's actually on YouTube. Pretty cool prayer. Yeah, uh, you should well, play it at some point. My yeah. my prayer after the Super Bowl, but yeah, but isn't that the same Eagle team? Was that the year they baptized the tight end, or a bunch of guys got baptized, or was that a different year? The Eagles. I think that was that year. Yeah, they they had a pretty. Um, they had a pretty good uh, spiritual input that year. Was it from the chaplain or was it the players who kind of led that? Do you remember back in 17? Yeah, it was player-led. Um, we, we really had a lot of, of really serious Jesus followers, probably 10 or 12 or more. Um, so that was a really fun experience, getting to walk through you know, that season with all those you know, seriously committed Jesus followers. Um, you know, we met together regularly, studied the Bible together, prayed together, encouraged each other in our walk. Um, it was it was really fun to to experience that with those guys. And to be honest, all those guys looked at, you know, their career as this is God's career. We want to do all this for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, the Super Bowl, you you never have a bigger platform than that. And all those guys tried their their best to use that attention to to praise the name of jesus and uh, i think i mean god's name was lifted up in a lot of ways um both you know leading up to that game and and after that game and that was really cool to see uh to see god be glorified through that yeah you know i just got one of my uh, swat guys is a big eagles fan and he just said ask Stefan about the eagle prayer warriors burton Foles, and wentz uh was it was that a pretty surreal experience compared to other teams to have that kind of spiritual cohesiveness on a team versus just the football cohesiveness yeah it was really cool um you know i i've been on teams where there's only three or four christian guys and that team there was you know 10 or 12 and um you know we're always trying to pull more guys into that group uh, encourage other guys to to know and walk with Jesus, and it it was really fun to have um, have that kind of brotherly support in the locker room with you. Um, really makes the makes the journey a lot more fun when you got a lot of brothers in Christ walking it with you. Mm-hmm. And then you know after this high of winning the Super Bowl, in the middle of eighteen, you get benched and. Were you scratching your head, going, "Okay, God, what's going on?" Then they they wave you. Uh, they or they they did. I don't know if they waved you. They just they didn't exercise the option, right? Uh, no. Th- well, yeah, they fired me, and then they actually hired me again, and then they fired me again. It's actually how it went. <laughs> so, yeah. So so you're sitting and there. It's all the funny business. Y- yeah, but that's when. Your dad asked me, and I know you ask other people to pray for you because you, you know, trying to figure out what you were going to do. You get picked up by the Chiefs, and kind of a similar deal, right? You're going in, didn't didn't 
uh, you go in there and the starter went down and you go in and you start the Super Bowl again. Is that right? Or, or did you replace him in the Super Bowl game? I can't remember the exact details, but it was pretty similar to that, wasn't it? Yeah, so I um, I signed week six and uh, was mostly just kind of back up, didn't play too much most of the regular season. And then uh, week 15, there's 17 weeks, there were 17 weeks in the NFL season then. Um, week 15, you know, one of the starting guards got hurt. And then I started week 16 and week 17 and played well. And um, I actually played, you know, in the first playoff game and played well. And that guy actually came back from injury, but I was playing so well, they, they left me in there. So I got to play in, in the last two regular season games and then uh, all the playoff games in the Super Bowl. I uh, got to start at guard and block for Patrick Mahomes. And what, and that right there is something you will always back. remember, right? <laughs> what a cool thing. Absolutely. That, that, hey, so real quick, you know, when you see Andy Reid and Mahomes in these commercials, you know, for Allstate, and they're kind of funny, Reid seems like a funny guy. Did you enjoy playing for him as a coach? Yeah, he's a great coach, man. Um, super smart, super hardworking, super humble, no ego. Um, just kind of unbelievably highly respected by his players. You know, whatever he says goes. Um, just love the way he, you know, runs his organization. Um, it's He's a, a classy, classy guy. He seems really funny. Well, then you get this Super Bowl, and then um, that's – uh, 19 then you get picked up by the Steelers what was it like to go back to Pennsylvania for you I know that's that's you you grew up uh there you already played for one In Pennsylvania Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah so uh, now you're at the Steelers uh, yeah. wait did your dad play for the Steelers or no did he I can't remember if he did or not no Colts Colts that's right he was a Colt guy all right so so you played yeah. for the Steelers so, yes yeah, I'm in yeah, that was uh, that was kind of an example of having high expectations, and then reality was was pretty lame uh, and disappointing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I signed in in March of 2020 uh, with the Steelers, and I'm like, oh great, I'm going to play for my hometown team in Heinz Field in front of 60,000 people, and uh, it's going to be great, right? Yeah. Well, it was 2020, so uh, most of the games there were zero fans. And uh, I think a few of them at the end of the year, there was like 5,000 or 10,000, whatever. It looked pretty empty, though. Um, so it was not the exciting, you know, homecoming, playing in your hometown, I thought. And in addition to there being no fans, I actually um, I got injured week one. So I played week one for the Steelers, um, actually on Monday Night Football at the Giants in an empty stadium. It was the weirdest game I've ever been a part of. Like None of us have ever played a game in front of zero fans really weird um and then i got hurt and uh was on ir for maybe two months and then i actually got hurt again and i got released mm. um so that that's kind of that was my uh my one year as a as a stealer for my hometown team yeah you got but, you got some uh, kind of chest I get, injury I get didn't signed you? by the chiefs oh yeah that's right yeah yeah i, I tore my i tore my pec okay yeah, but then you get picked up by the Chiefs um, again in 20, right? <laughs> yeah, and then I went and started in another Super Bowl uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, got to start in three Super Bowls in four years, which is, is unbelievable how blessed I was. 
Uh, we did lose that one in 2020. Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers and, and Tom Brady there. But uh, man, just just crazy how how that all all that all happened. And uh, really believe God was was sovereign over all of it. And um, I was just blessed to to be a part of His plan and try to seek uh, seek His will and what He had for me. Well, you know, one of the reasons I like kind of walking through this with you, Stefan, is for our listeners because it, it doesn't matter whether you're a football player or a businessman or a mom that stays at home. Your your life is going to be full of what I call the sine curve. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. And I hope that as you listen to Stefan talk about, you know, what he was doing, what he kept saying was, this is where God wanted me. This is where God had me. And, you know, one of the struggles I've had, Leo, I mean, I'm sorry, I called you Leo, Stefan, is when you look down the road, a lot of times we think we know where God's taking us. And, you know, you, you signed a two-year deal with the Steelers. You had no idea you were going to get hurt. You had no idea uh, that you were going to get released. And, again, you get picked up and you play in another Super Bowl. And, and for for you and what you did, that that's pretty much the pinnacle, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, if you're a football player in the NFL, everybody wants to play in the Super Bowl. That's what you, your goal of the season. Nobody goes out there wanting just to play. You want to play to win. And so I, I'm just so thankful that uh, you had that perspective. And now you're bringing that into ministry. And here's one caution I have for you. In ministry, it's just like the NFL. <laughs> You're going to have signed. Oh, yeah. You know, if you haven't seen that already. Oh, man, I it, thought my life was going to be easier, man. <laughs> Come on. Nope. It is ups and downs the same way. And because that's the way it is in life. You know, we live in a broken world. And and our our own brokenness contributes to that. And, you know, you kind of come into it. I, I think... Wouldn't you agree with every team you went in there, unless you just know something beforehand, which most of the time we kind of come in with almost like a honeymoon phase or a, uh, this idea that, man, this is going to be different or this is going to be the place or, you know what I'm talking about, Stefan? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely uh, always approached everything and hoped, uh, hope things would go well and in, in the way I wanted them to. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and, and it's that way in ministry, like, like, how far along are you in your your seminary right now? Uh, I'm about to finish up my eighth class. Okay, so when when are you projected to finish all all your your classes? Um, I got to take about thirty total, so uh, okay. probably three years from now. Three years. Okay, so if you're listening out there, would you do me a favor? Uh, because Stefan has basically now. He is he's taking the platform God's given him, and he's going into a direction where he is going to preach, proclaim, and minister uh, uh, for for God in a different arena. It's an arena where he's going to be a pastor, or he's going to be a, a a teacher, a Bible teacher. But he is going to seminary to see what God wants him to do in that world, following God's lead. Would you put him on your prayer list? Just write Stefan Wisniewski, and I'll even spell it for you because I know we have a lot of prayer warriors out there, 
and and it's, it's S- hard to spell. Yeah, S T E F E N. Wisniewski, W I S. It's just like it sounds. N I E W Ski S K I. Stefan Wisniewski. Would you write his name down and start praying for him as he goes through seminary, as as he goes through and not just learning how to teach God's word, but learning how to be God's word, that he would be the very things that he's proclaiming. Because that that's the most important thing for any preacher is that they know God and they be who God made them to be in him. And, and, and that hasn't really changed for you, Stefan. I mean, in all the things that you were talking about, the different teams, it's, it's the same in ministry. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that you made time to be with us today and share with people. I, I think we live in a world in the U.S., especially uh, where people love football. Um, you know, they, they, they just got through watching a Super Bowl. I'd wanted to get you on a little sooner, but it just worked out timing-wise to us now. But the story's still relevant that, that you know, whether you're an NFL player, which is a zenith of football in our country, very few people get there, you achieved it. Winning the Super Bowl, even more of a zenith, and uh, getting to start in it, uh, you, you weren't just there, you were a participant. And yet, the most important part of your identity, you say, is Jesus. And uh, I hope that people listening today will really get that because I think that's the most important thing you've shared today. Uh, uh, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, to people out there. Oh, I just want to wanted to say, uh, yeah, appreciate appreciate any prayers anybody would would throw my way. I certainly need them. Yeah, for him as a dad. By the way, what's your son's name? Uh, Leo. Leo. Oh, Leo. All right. So pray for little Leo. <laughs> He's four months old and pray for Stefan as a dad of Leo and that he would be the, the, the father God made him to be. And he would be the husband to his wife. God made him to be, and he would be the slave, the servant of the most high God. God made him to be uh, brother. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you. I'm going to see you. I think if you come to your dad's retreat, I'm speaking up there in May. So I'm looking forward to seeing you if you can get away from your seminary to come. So. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, listen, that, that, that again is Stefan Wisniewski. Prayer warriors out there, lift him up in prayer. Pray for anything specific, uh, Stefan, other than just uh, God to continue leading and providing for you. No, that uh, that sounds great. All right, good. Hey, well, uh, if you want to listen to this program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. Click on the past programs link, and you can listen on this. You can share us. Please share this with somebody and uh, tell them to go to SWATradio.com. They can also uh, find out where we're meeting here in the Jacksonville area at our SWAT meetings. Every Thursday night, we have SWAT Zoom. If you want to join us, you can go to www.swatradio.com.